Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real-life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipnis. Digital marketing, it's the biggest topic in the small business world. Honestly, when I talked to clients today, I had one, we were in his office and that's all he wanted to talk about. They like salivate over digital marketing and people try and do it and they fail over and over. And part of it is because digital marketing is, it's a general term. It's such a huge space that no one really knows what it means. So they do advertising on Facebook or they do it on Google or they pay an SEO person, but they don't even know what they're SEOing and their website's terrible. And so even if they drove people to it, it doesn't convert. And what I hear over and over from, from all of you listeners is you want to know more about how to make money digitally, how to advertise your business. And today I brought in an expert in that space, really the online advertising space. How do you get your message out and get people to come back to you? So I'm really excited to have this conversation because it's really important and it's what's on top of most of your minds from everything I'm hearing. This is Adam Kipnis, host of the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast, Lessons You Can't Learn in School. As always, we are brought to you on C-Suite Radio, sponsored by Powertexting.com. Powertexting.com gives a free hotel stay to one listener of every podcast episode we do. So stay tuned for more information on that. Four and five star resorts in different places around the world. It's really super cool. Um, so stay tuned for that. As always, when we talk about business and we talk about marketing, um, it's always the end result is how do you put more money in your pocket? Um, and if that's what you're here for, that's what you're listening for, download my book at freebookfromadam.com. It's eight steps to make more money in your business. One of those is how to utilize the messaging when you use a specialist like my guest today, Ryan McDonald. Ryan, I really appreciate you being here, taking the time and dropping some knowledge on us. Thanks. Yeah, Adam, it's good to be here. By the way, it sounds like a great offer with that hotel stay. Yeah, I, um, you should probably jump on it too. Um, yeah, it's actually good. really cool. There's 17 cities around the world uh, that you can go to. Uh, you do have to pay the, the taxes because that's a legal thing, but you can go to Bali for 200 bucks for four nights plus airline tickets. So yeah. um, <laughs> definitely stay tuned for that. And hopefully a lot of people jump on that opportunity. So Ryan, you know, we, we've talked, we tried to do this for a while. Scheduling got in the way, jury duty got in the way, but we made it happen. I'm really excited to talk to you about this, but your life didn't start in, in digital marketing and in online advertising. You were a professional poker player and that was your business and the digital world got in the way. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience and that story? Yeah, yeah, certainly. So, um, I mean, when I was like, 16 i started uh like playing locally in a bunch of uh bars and whatnot um growing up kind of in the sticks in minnesota um it wasn't it wasn't too frowned upon to have a 16 year old in the bar wasn't drinking by the way just just playing cards um but so i'd go and play with these guys and you know we each put in 20 bucks and play a game of poker a little poker tournament um and eventually i got competitive enough that in good enough, making a little bit of money at least as a 16 year old, uh, that I decided to get a formal uh, poker coach from a poker professional uh, and uh, like really, really learned and started playing poker online. Um, and one thing led to another and uh, suddenly I found myself with 
quite a nice bankroll and, and I officially turned pro, if you will. Um, eventually got some sponsors and I uh, was a pro for, oh, three and a half years. And then the uh, Department of Justice and the FBI seized the three largest online poker sites um, on Black Friday. We call we poker players refer to it as Black Friday, um, but it was really April 15th of 2011. Um, you would go log into the poker site and it had a big FBI and Department of Justice seal on it saying, <laughs> this site's been seized. And it's like, oh, geez. Um, and so essentially the government took everyone's money that, that had money on there. And uh, I lost tens of thousands of dollars. I had friends that lost hundreds of thousands of dollars. And um, it really kind of bankrupted a lot of people. By the way, during the worst recession since the Great Depression. So uh, thank you, federal government, for collapsing yet another industry. <laughs> um, and uh, so eventually I had to make a pivot. It was, you know, do I, uh, a lot of my friends were moving out of country. I consider going to the Philippines. Uh, but eventually, you know, talking with my family, I decided to uh, finish out college and got a degree in, in marketing, um, business, uh, business management with an emphasis in marketing. And honestly, as soon as I got back into college, I got an internship and, uh, and, and started my road there. So very cool. That's, that's I guess the, the backstory. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and one, one, I and love the way, story. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I found that there's a credible, um, amount of transitional skill set between online, online advertising and, uh, and online poker. Very like a lot of the same thought processes applied um and that was something that surprised me um i thought that that skill set was useless but uh, apparently not <laughs> that's funny but it's, and it's also that's why i wanted that story to be sort of the lead-in because it's one thing to play poker and to be good at it and to to know how to read people and um and how to make money there but while you're doing while you're building up that skill of um being a poker player, we'll get to the reading people and, and um, how to get people's attention as, as part of uh, the, the deeper conversation. But that was a business for you, right? It wasn't just playing poker. You had oh, to yeah. get sponsors. You had to get people to um, give you money for a portion of the, of the take, so to speak. And you had to run this as a business while you were having your skill, which is poker playing, which you had to keep owning. And a lot of businesses out there, especially service-based businesses, they're always so focused on getting better at their craft that sometimes the business takes a back, back seat and they don't grow. Did, you know, how did you balance the two in your poker business? Yeah, it was, um, you know, I learned to manage money at a very young age. Um, you know, when you're 18 and you've got you know, $5,000 in cash in your room, your parents, I mean, thank God my parents knew I wasn't a drug dealer. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I, I learned to manage money. Um, there's a principle called bankroll management, which is essentially like the, um, the philosophy behind how poker players manage their money. But at the same point, it was like getting your name out there. There's personal branding aspects to it. I had a weekly column in uh, Minnesota Poker Magazine. I had a sponsor from Minnesota Poker Tour. Um, and so, yeah, there was a little bit of um, stakes, as you will, taking... I was a cash game player, so I didn't play a ton of big tournaments. Uh, but the ones that I did play, like when I went to go play at the World Series of Poker, 
uh, people wanted to buy a percentage of my action. Um, so it was, you know, selling yourself saying, Hey, you know, I'm selling 50%, uh, you know, of the buy-in for this tournament, let's say it's $5,000. So people would give me $2,500, um, in exchange for 50% of my winnings. Um, so it was a very funny thing. And yes, it was constantly a stay on top of your game while managing the financial aspect, the mental aspect. I mean, my day-to-day -day life was, uh, log into the computer, play poker, and maybe I'll win $3,000 that day, or maybe I'll lose $2,500 that day. Um, and it was incredibly, after a while, he got incredibly numb to winning and losing thousands of dollars in a day. Um, it's, it's hard for someone who didn't go through that lifestyle to understand. Yeah, I bet. But I think that set you up well, right? Because the, the life of an entrepreneur, the life of a business owner is a lot of times feast or famine. I mean, you could be on a phone call with a prospect and think it's going well and they say no. And for some of us, it can crush our spirits for days for, oh, yeah. you know, somebody says yes and you're super psyched and you're like, wow, I got a sale. Now let me go out and grab dinner and drinks with my buddies or my wife or whatever it is. So you learned that up and down when you started your business, um, did that, like, were you sort of, again, numb to the ups and downs of the prospect, sale, close, lose a deal relationship because of the background that you had as a poker player? And you're spot on with your analogy because it's, it's very similar in that, like, let's say you lose a client, a big client, and it's like, you know, you feel bad. You think about it for a couple of days, or let's say you land a big client and you're like, yes, honey, we're going out for dinner. Um, you know, wine and dine your wife or, you know, whatever. Um, it's a very similar thing, um, to the, the ups and downs of poker. Uh, and I would say that it has, um, helped my mental state a bit. It's something that I've, you know, I kind of got numb to, um, but it was a little bit different of a feeling when doing it from a business perspective than, uh, than poker. It's a little bit, you know, there's a sales process. There's, um, there's a buying cycle associated with the poker. It was, you know, instantaneous, you know, Oh shoot. I just was an 80, 20 favorite for a $3,000 pot and I lost. Um, and it's like, ugh. but, um, but yeah, so it's similar, very similar. And it, it did help a little bit. That's cool. I love that you took it that direction with the sort of the, the sales cycle that businesses go through. I mean, I've had prospects, um, one I'm currently working with, this is someone I've known for 25 years. We reconnected a year ago. We've been talking about doing business together and it's been really a year long journey for him to get comfortable with what it is that I do and how I can help him uh, because it's a, bit, it's a big difference. When you started with talking to prospects and there was no instant gratification, you didn't have um, a yes necessarily at the end or a yes or no, I guess, like a win or loss. How did you deal with that? And how did you change your psyche to go to a longer term sales cycle? Yeah. Yeah. It, um, for a little bit there, uh, when I started Shea Digital, I thought, well, I just made it like, um, the website sort of e-commerce style. I was like, well, people can sign up on their own. Very naive, naive thought in that, you know, if I price it appropriately, explain the value on the page, people can sign up. 
doesn't ever work like that in B2B sales, or at least high, somewhat higher ticket B2B sales. It, it was a naive thought. Uh, but um, yeah, it's uh, it was an adjustment for sure. And, uh, and by the way, I have to say it's becoming an entrepreneur is extremely, people underrate how difficult it is by a large amount. Um, I've, I, you know, I, before I started Shea Digital, I worked in house at companies. I worked in house at a billion dollar company. I worked in house at an ad agency. I worked in house for a very large e-commerce company. I always thought, oh, I could run this company better than they could. You know, I, I, <laughs> I arrogant, you know, very entrepreneur thought of, ah, if I just had the reins, I could totally crush this thing. Um, but once you go ahead and you say, okay, I'm going all in on my idea and you jump off that, that diving board, you realize, oh, starting a business is harder than it looks. Um, even with something that, you know, I've been in this industry now for damn near seven years in the online advertising space. Uh, so I came to it with a, a good deal of you know, personal experience in this space and from the service perspective. Uh, but it's still shocking to me. Like uh, I didn't even think about, oh, client hasn't paid. I need to go and collect on that or um you know just the minutiae the bookkeeping or the minutiae of day-to-day -day things that um are not entrepreneur faces it's made me very sympathetic to a lot of small business owners especially in the service space yeah i mean you're 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 wearing all hats now because it's still a small business you're doing the work for your clients um you know, one of the things that, that people always ask me because i do strategic planning and marketing planning for my clients and they, they all look at me and they're like, dude, how, is, how easy is it for you to do this for yourself, right? Because I can go to somebody else's business and I can tell them, you need to do this, change this, tweak that, and literally piles of money can fall out if, if done properly. Um, one of my recent clients, uh, they hadn't added any revenue in two and a half years we worked together. We did, I mean, they were, they were doing well. They did two and a half million dollars in revenue, but it was two and a half million the next year and the next year. And then we went through a process. We cleaned up a few things. We made some adjustments to their business and to their plan and their marketing and how they were running things. And they added $400,000 in revenue in four and a half months because they were so used to doing what you're doing. Um, but when you do it for yourself, like when I do it on my own business, I actually hire another version of me to do my stuff. When you're doing digital marketing, right, it should be super easy, but I'm sure you run into the same thing that it's always easier to do it for someone else than it is for yourself. Yeah. Uh, you're a hundred percent right there. It's a, it's a strange thing. Um, because I feel like we're too close to ourselves to be objective in our perception of what's right and what's wrong. Um, or too too married to the idea ourselves uh, that third party getting a third party uh, as you say hiring another person like you for your business is a great idea um so i do i i do my own digital advertising online advertising for my business but um at the same point it's way to the back burner like like far behind i'm thinking about client projects um in the first top 10 on my list and then it's like my business stuff and then it's okay. I need to get back to figuring out what's a good, what's a good test for, for my ad campaign. Um, so it's always like client stuff first, 
business stuff after that. And then like my advertising campaigns, I'll get to it. So, <laughs> it's it, so true. So yeah. true. Yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's, and it's, I feel like it's always funner uh, working on someone else's brand or more fun, uh, if you will. If there's something we can about, go with like, funner. I'm good with that. Yeah. Okay. As long as we don't have to be grammatically correct. <laughs> <laughs> no, gra- grammar is uh, only important if you're writing. Um, <laughs> but, but so let, let's pivot a little bit to the actual online advertising and, and telling people to hire third parties. Yes. That was a bit of a shameless plug to, to um, look up Ryan and hire him to do your advertising. Cause I know a lot of you are doing it yourselves and you're spending money, you could pay him probably less than you're spending today and actually get greater results. Uh, but when, when you talk to prospects, a lot of them probably are doing something themselves and having no success. And, and you can look at their business in a different way with a different lens and put a campaign together that begins to, to really move the dial. But you know, where do you start? Like when you look at a business and you say, yes, you need digital marketing and specifically online advertising and here's why where do you start when you're looking at somebody's business yeah um and i would say to to kind of preface or address a bit of your preface there to that question you know i think in my life i've managed it's got to be close to a hundred million dollars in online advertising um through such a wide variety of channels and for such a wide variety of businesses um, that it is rare that I come across something that is unique. Um, and so that sort of experience gives me the, uh, gives me the perspective needed when addressing a new client or a new business. When it, Cause I start off every customer, you know, they come up to me and, um, you know, we'll book a free consultation. And so I'll spend an hour with them. I'll be going over their analytics. I'll be talking to them about their business history. I'll be making notes. Um, and I'll give them a bit of perspective on where I think a good starting point is. And that starting point is entirely based upon, um, that hundred million dollars of ad spend that I've run through in my lifetime, uh, man, you know, managing it for, for other businesses. Um, and so it's such an insanely expensive learning curve doing this stuff on your own that while one can do it, I don't recommend it. Um, and a lot of the time someone will you know, they might say something like, Oh, I'm going to start on Google or, Oh, I'm going to start on Facebook. I mean, I'm glad that you're thinking about a platform, but that is in no way a real strategy. Um, that's in no way building a sustainable customer acquisition channel. So these things, I find that most people don't think about them on a deep enough level or have the right perspective to manage their own, um, with any degree of confidence. I've come across businesses that have managed them themselves. Like I've, I audited an account the other day. Uh, I was talking to a guy, a friend of a friend, audited his account. He's managing it himself and it was doing pretty well. I mean, there was room for improvement, but he was doing pretty well himself. I could probably have shaved his customer acquisition costs 30%. But for, you know, an amateur, dude was, dude was killing the game. So it's possible to do okay, but you're always better off hiring an expert. So shameless plug there, I guess me too. <laughs> We're good with shameless plugs. I mean, I think everyone gets it. You know, we, we all, we all want business. We all want to grow. And, uh, 
you know, if we can get a little business while hopefully giving a whole bunch of knowledge, um, that's a great thing. We're talking to Ryan McDonald here on the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. I'm your host, Adam Kipnis. As I said, uh, powertexting.com, a great platform to stay in front of your prospects and your clients um, through text. Gives away a free trip. So if you go to podcasttrip.com, enter your name and information there. And like I said, one person will win. They are really great trips, totally legit. You guys will really enjoy yourselves. So while Ryan's doing your digital marketing, you can be sitting on the beach in Spain. You come back to leads in your inbox. Uh, and that actually is a reality. And you can go to shadedigital.com. You can call Ryan. I love the fact that you have that banner behind you for those yeah. of you who are um, watching us on YouTube. And so Ryan, you know, picking that platform, people come to you and they're like, oh, I'm doing Facebook ads or I'm doing Google or Instagram super hot. So I'm, I'm doing that. How, first of all, everyone out there, just stop doing that. And let's figure out how do you pick the right platform? How, how can you help people think about which one they should do and why? Yeah, that's a great, um, it's a great question because people will automatically, well, there's a lot of different variables when it comes to picking a platform. Uh, and one of the most important, in my opinion, is budget. If you're going to tell me that you want to do some, let's just say, car insurance advertising, and you want to say you want to start with Google, but your budget is $1,500 a month. I'll tell you that you're crazy because if you want to do Google search ads for $1,500 a month in the car insurance vertical, you know, each click is about $50. So that budget's going to get eaten up like that. Now, if you wanted to do something like YouTube ads, like YouTube for action ads, um, with that same $1,500, you might find much more success. You sure as hell would get much more traffic at a much cheaper cost um, than you would with a search ad, uh, for that platform. Um, so some, like there's just, you know, there's so many variables that go into picking a platform that if you're not in this world, um, it's difficult to know. Um, and this is where all that previous experience comes in. Like, uh, I have a service-based business. We're crushing it with, um, as, as a client, we're crushing it with search ads. We're getting roughly, oh, it was something like $35 cost per lead. And their average sale is something like $4,000. Um, so, you know, you don't, you don't even have to close that many of those leads to have a very good ROI. Right. Um, and, and so I was talking to him about some of the changes that YouTube had made in the last year. And I said, dude, we got to, I was like, dude, you got to give me a piece of video creative that I can run a test with YouTube because it's crushing, you know, it's crushing it. And this is not a very like Instagrammy or like exciting business. This is your, like it's a standard home improvement sort of business. Um, so it's very, it's not a sexy business for video ads, if you will, like, uh, like some others are this. So we ran search ads and YouTube ads side by side, see what's going on. We ended up getting a lower cost per lead on the YouTube stuff. Um, and so I was like, okay, we're just going to transition to YouTube purely for a month and, and see how it goes. Um, and by the way, this is on top of a bunch of other changes we're making, but from, we went from, you know, roughly $30 cost per lead or $35 cost per lead with those search ads. Last month we had a $9 cost per lead. 
and spent the same amount of money. So it's like, um, anyways, those are the types of things that unless you know what to try and how to set it up, it's quite difficult to uh, even go for picking a platform because most people default towards, let's say, Google search or Facebook ads. And it's like, that's, it's not a strategy. That's a platform. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And you know what? I don't want to get too technical. I don't know how how many people out there are familiar with split testing, but split testing is the concept of running two different ads on the same platform and seeing which one does better, maybe running the same ad on two different platforms and see which one does better. Um, so many people run an ad and wait for the phone to ring. This concept of um, you know split testing or using different platforms, use testing different areas, um, you know, it's kind of like pressure studies. Does it hurt here? Does it hurt here? Um, that, that the doctor will do. When you do that, um, as a business owner, how should we be thinking about that? Like how can, when we're working with someone like you as our digital ad specialist, how can we be thinking about that? Because a lot of times we're like, well, here's what I do and go advertise it, right? But there's so much more to it. How do you, how do you sort of pull that out of people, I guess, is the best way to ask it. Yeah, um, it's a bit difficult and there has to be trust in the relationship. Um, and yes, trust is a big thing, you know. Um, and I try to tell people not to do, when, when people typically think of split testing, a lot of the time they do what I call uh, red button or green button tests where they'll, you know, run the same thing to let's just say the same landing page, but they'll change the button, the like conversion action button or the, the main call to action button from red to green and see which performs better. That's not a great test to make. Um, those things are more or less a waste of time. Um, when I make tests, it's generally speaking, larger scale things. So you don't just test what is a red button or a green button perform better on the landing page. You split test offers, you split test uh, different messaging um, and not only like split test, but you get really granular with your audience, right? So there's a certain audience. Um, if your customer base is wide enough, you would want to have a different message to a 70 year old grandma than you would a 35 year old woman, you know, very similar. They could both be your customer, but you might phrase your val like the value proposition of your business differently to those two people. If you're talking to them one-on-one. -on -one trying to sell them. The ad should reflect that. Um, and so one of the things that I advocate for the most is if you get, when you go granular with your messaging, when you go granular with your targeting, um, generally speaking, that's when you get your best results. Um, and so that, that generally takes a bit of work. Um, and that's usually reserved for clients that have a, a decent sized budget. Um, because they can afford to split out those audiences and split out different pages and, and get all that different copy. But that's where you're going to see your best results is when you kind of micro message to certain demographics. Um, yeah. Interesting. So, and, so and you know, by the way, you know all about that, Mr. Messaging and positioning. Well, <laughs> thank you for that plug. I know yeah. I, that I, I love that you went there obviously because it talks to, to my specialty, which is, um, you know, if you don't know your client and you don't have that avatar and you're not super specific about who you're advertising to, the best digital marketing, the best 
online advertising can only go so far. So when people come to you and they're super general, you know, how I hammer them pretty good, right? Because that's my job is to hammer people and be like, you, you can't have someone that's 20, a client base that's 25 to 65, male or female, that likes sports and doesn't like sports. Like that's not a, anything that you can advertise to. How do you, and how should, more importantly, how should everyone think about when they're doing advertising, when they're engaging someone like you, how do they get specific like that? And is, is that where, I mean, is that, I guess, where the magic happens? Once they figure that out, that that drives everything you need to do in every place you need to, to, to help them. Yeah. I, um, and so I, I don't do as much as you do in terms of like um, maybe forcing them to niche down or to, to really focus on the, the business itself and, and on that aspect of it, at least what I'll do is I'll take, you know, if they have a wide customer base, I might take something like um, a segment, target them with one ad, um, grab another segment and target them with another ad uh, and try to keep those separated as much as possible. So it still looks like we're, it looks like it's niche or it looks like it's a very targeted message, uh, but the company itself serves, serves a wide base. Uh, but yeah, you'd be su- surprised at the differences in conversion rate when you're able to yeah, hone that message. And it, it's almost independent of platform really. Um, because that same rise in conversion rate will happen, um, with your like micro targeted or micro message strategy, uh, no matter what platform you're using, you could be using Bing ads or Facebook ads or Pinterest ads. I mean, whatever, as long as you're honed in with the right message, the right audience at the right time, good to go. Perfect. And can't believe you just said Bing ads. I didn't know those were still a thing, but I'm a, I'm actually a pretty big advocate for Bing ads. Really? Uh, I have a good relationship with Microsoft. Um, yeah. So, and here's the advantage, a small spiel on Bing ads. Yeah, go for it. Uh, so does it have the reach of Google? Of course not, not even close. Um, but it's good for certain advertisers and it's a great way. Let's say if you're crushing the game on Google, it's a great way. Um, I can take what you're doing on Google, make it better, and then import it over to Bing. And that's that importing over to Bing is automatically going to increase your revenue by 20%. No questions asked. And almost every single time I do that, we have a lower cost per acquisition on Bing when we do Google. Why? Because there's less advertisers on Bing. So there's cheaper keyword costs. And generally speaking, it's a more desktop related traffic and desktop again generally speaking has a higher conversion rate than mobile traffic so um, i'm a big advocate for using bing ads if and when uh your google ads are in a good position very interesting and and here on the entrepreneurs mba podcast we do not guarantee results and so you might not get 20 percent. but uh ryan's seen some success with his clients and um I'm going to ask you a, a bit of an impossible question, but, but I'd like to get your thoughts on it in that you do an online ad, right? A lot of people send people to their website. In my world, in the, in the coaching world, there's a, you know, a lot of people drive someone to a webinar where you can learn about it and you know, book a call or, or buy a product. 
And, um, you know, some people, a minority probably drive people to a phone number. In, in your experience, I mean, people spend so much time and money and effort trying to make this perfect, beautiful website that people spend six seconds on and then bounce. You know, where, how do people think about the different ways that, yeah, it's great if you can get someone to click on the ad, but where do we send them? Yeah, um, that's a great question. And it is sort of an impossible question, uh, but I'll, I'll tackle it from the website perspective first. I see a lot of businesses build a website without a clear objective um, for the overall website and then for each page. There should be an objective for each page about what you're trying to accomplish. Um, so let's say if you go to Shea Digital, um, almost everything either prompts you, by the way, you have multiple ways to, to have a conversion action, right? You can book a meeting on my calendar for a strategy session. You can submit a contact form or you can call me. And that's almost on every page. There's almost three different ways you can convert on every page. Um, but let's say I see a lot of people, and in some instances it makes sense to go into a, a landing page only strategy or a one page website only strategy. If you don't care about local SEO, I say go, go in that direction. But uh, for most of the businesses I work with and I service, uh, it still makes sense to compete on SEO, at least on a local level, and depending on the industry and niche on a national level. Um, so 100%, it makes sense to have a, a nice big website with awesome content um, and trying to rank that. Because if you can get that thing to the front page of Google, that's a darn ATM in your pocket. Because uh, nothing, very few traffic sources convert better than Google Organic. And very few traffic sources have the scale that Google organic does. Um, I mean, depending on the term, right. But yeah, so on a local level, national level, I still am a fan of websites. If only for the um, organic traffic perspective. Now, when it comes to landing pages or when it comes to the advertising part of it, I'm a big fan of landing pages, like a building a custom page for that um, campaign and sending people there. Uh, that generally speaking is a better approach than just sending them to the best page on the website, which a lot of people don't even send them to the best page on the website. They just send them to a page on the website. Uh, I see that mistake all the time. Everything goes to the homepage, even though, yep. even though it shouldn't. Um, and, but if the website sucks and it looks like it was made in 1997, um, I'm, I can either try to sell them on a website redo or just build them a custom landing page. A lot, building the custom landing page is a lot cheaper um, and it's probably going to be just as effective anyhow. So um, that's my solution for a lot of those people with kind of crappy sort of websites. But if, they, if we can trigger a conversion action without even leaving the platform that they were on, that in my opinion is best. And I feel like a lot of the platforms are moving towards that. Um, the, the biggest one that I first saw was Facebook ads. Uh, they had the Facebook lead generation ads. Those things are still money. They were money back then. They're even better now, in my opinion. Awesome sky high conversion rates. Um, we're seeing that on, on LinkedIn with LinkedIn lead ads, Google call only ads, Google call only ads are still awesome, especially if you're in the lead gen business. Um, so these sorts of ad units in my opinion, are even better than going 
with a custom landing page strategy um, because it's less clicks to convert. So there's a less, less friction in the conversion process. Um, and it's very native to the platform. Uh, so we're, by the way, we're seeing more and more ad units in beta tests right now with Google and other platforms um, that don't even, they don't even bring someone to the website. They just keep them on that platform and can do the conversion action there. Uh, so that's going to be the way of the future, honestly, is landing page might be yesterday's news in a couple of years. Interesting. And so, uh, you know, I think that's a, a, just a really important tip in what a specialist knows versus what we know, right? I don't know a whole lot about the, the online advertising game. Again, I'm a strategy and messaging guy. Having someone who knows, all right, this is where things are going. This is what we're actually seeing in the marketplace and then us benefiting from that. So I love that you, that you gave us that. Last question for me is, all right, people are listening and they're like, yeah, I've tried this, I've done that. And you know, they're not ready necessarily to call you, but what's the one thing that you recommend that people do first when, they, when, they, when they're thinking about online advertising or maybe it's not working for them? Like, is there a go-to move that some of the, you know, the, the home gamers out there can do for themselves to figure out why their stuff's not working that you can, you can tell them to do? Yeah, yeah. Um... There, I mean, there's a lot we could, we could cover here. Let's see the best. So one thing that I see is a lack, a lack of patience um, and a lack of, of testing. So a lot of people will do something like, oh, oh, they'll come up with a Facebook ad. Um, they'll give it a daily budget that they're comfortable with and they'll run it for a week or two. And they're like, yeah, I didn't really like that. And then they'll either try another different thing for a week or two and then stop um, and then just swear off, oh, Facebook ads don't work, that's a bunch of baloney. Um, when in reality, these things require patience, uh, especially if it's a brand new advertising program. If you have not started doing an online advertising uh, program, generally speaking, the best results are not in month one. That's almost a universal thing I can tell you. There's very few universal laws in you know, life uh, but when creating an advertising program, the best results are not in month one. Um, you take what you learn in month one and you apply it to month two. And after that, you take what you learn in month one, month two, and you apply it to three. So generally speaking, what you see over time is a reduction in the cost per acquisition and an increase in the number of acquisitions because you take what you learn and you op optimize, which I, I feel like that word's overused, but... Um, that's what you do. So generally speaking, you need to have some patience and some stomach uh, for maybe the, not the most optimal results in the first couple of months. Uh, if I'm going to advise someone without, you know, a general rule of thumb, if you're running Facebook ads and you're not happy with the results after one week, granted, even giving this advice, there's going to be a whole lot of ifs, ands, and buts. Right. <laughs> yep. But understood. The way Facebook works is once you define a conversion objective, uh, if you are hitting some of those objectives in that first week, the targeting algorithm is going to get much, much better in the following week and the week after at finding those sorts of people um, that perform that action. So don't just give it a week, give it some time. 
um, because you will get better results over time. As long as there are people hitting and performing that defined conversion action, the algorithm will take time to prime and to improve. Um, and so I see a lot of people mistakenly shut it off after a week or two uh, when there really wasn't the statistical significance there or enough data to, to uh, train that targeting algorithm on uh, optimizing itself. So patience, I advise patience. That is freaking gold right there. Uh, that is a great way to end. I mean, obviously patience in everything is important, but just the idea that not only are you gonna learn from it, but the algorithm within Facebook or Google or Bing or YouTube is gonna learn as well. And those activities together lead to more success. Uh, he's Ryan McDonald from Shade Digital, shadedigital.com. For those of you who can't see his banner, 772-497-6077 is the number to get in touch with him. Uh, super giving guy. Um, we'll definitely, you know, help you out and give you some ideas. Um, and, uh, thank you for being here. Thanks for the time. Thanks for the knowledge. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, thanks everyone for taking the time to listen. Very cool. Everyone. Thanks for being here on the entrepreneurs MBA podcast, talking about online advertising. Look forward to having you on the next episode. Thanks. You've been listening to the entrepreneurs MBA. Download Adam's free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business at www.freebookfromadam.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.